You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. selfless in our sacrifice to Jesus Christ. He deserves our selfless sacrifice. Jesus told his disciples to deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. And that's what he said. We cannot give a lighthearted commitment to serving him. We can't serve Jesus with a lighthearted commitment. It's got to be the Texas Hold'em all in. We've got to go all in to Christ. We've got to be all in for Jesus Christ. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus. Today, Pastor Dave will remind you that you can't be half invested in your faith. You can't have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world of sin. You're either all in or all out. So take some time to think about what you really want, a life of sin or eternity with Christ. Pick up your cross and follow him. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 15 as he continues his message, The Rejected King. Another little refining time here, Dave. Going to make you pure. David knew it. He accepted it. And he also knew, though, God's loving hand was with him. God's loving hand was with him. There are consequences for our sin. But when we recognize that God will see us through, God's there at the end, we can be thankful that he is. We can be thankful that he's called his children. David had been rejected by his own people. Fast forward a thousand years. Fast forward a thousand years. The son of David, the Messiah, the son of the living God is also rejected by his people. John 1.11, he came to his own and his own would not receive him. In Isaiah 53.3 says, he was despised and rejected by men. The Son of Man, the Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would be rejected by all of Israel. Throughout the history of the world, as we read through this, we read through Judges, remember? As we continue to read through the kings, Israel constantly rejects God time and time and time again. And every time they come back to him, God forgives them time and time and time again. But they would reject him once again. But this time they rejected his son, And Jesus clearly said to the Pharisees, if you reject me, you reject the Father. Back in chapter 5, some men that left David to go with Absalom begged him to be their king. These same men were begging him to be their king. Now they're rejecting him completely and siding with the one who stole their hearts. And what did I think about this? On that triumphant day when Jesus rode into the town of Jerusalem, riding on a donkey and they were spreading their clothes down in front of him, spreading branches and palms. Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Blessed be the name of the Lord! Less than a week later, crucify him! Crucify him! Sad. Sad. Let's look at 14 through 16. So David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, 
Arise, let us flee, or we shall not escape Absalom. Make haste to Bart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Then the king went out with all his household after him, but the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. This is David's first official order now, was to get his family and everybody else out of Jerusalem. He leaves ten concubines in the house to basically take care of the house. This is going to play into the hands of Absalom, as we'll see when we get to chapter 16, if we ever get there. David didn't want to see Jerusalem destroyed by Absalom. One commentator said this, quote, it was just like David to risk his own life and abandon his own throne to protect others. You know, when I read this statement, you've got to know where I'm going with this. Jesus Christ left his throne. Jesus Christ left his throne and came to earth as a man. He came to earth as a man, willingly, to do the will of the Father. And what was the will of the Father? That he would suffer and die on a cruel Roman cross for our sins. Why? So that mankind would be saved, that mankind would have a way back to the Father. Verse 17. And the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. David goes out. He goes out and pauses at the city gates, and he looks back. It must have been a terrible time for him. He must have been heartbroken, even though he knew God's hand was in it, and even though that God was with him. You know, he looked back at the city. I mean, he did a lot of things in that city. He brought the, brought the Ark of the Covenant back to the city. He did so many things in the city, but yet he looks back and knows that he has to leave it to the hands of his son, Absalom. It's a sad time to look back on all the things that he started. It was the beloved city, and guess what? It carried his name. It was called the city of David. What a terrible thing. But he wouldn't leave it destroyed, so he left. What did he see? What did he see when he looked back? Well, for one thing, he sees a lot of guys. Look at 18. Then all his servants passed before him, and uh, there were the Cherethites and the Pelethites and the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath, passed before him. He looks back and he has ites before his eyes. Ites, I-T-E, ah, that was At least I didn't say termites. Come on, give me a break. All the ites were with him. They were all there. These are his personal bodyguard. The Gittites, remember the Gittites? They were the ones who followed him from Gath. When he was down in Gath, when he, when, these were Philistines, gang. These are Philistines, and they're following David. What's most interesting to me is these men were so faithful to David before he came for successful. They were with him in the dark times, and now they're with him, when they're with him in the dark times, the good times, and back to the dark times. It's, it's a remarkable thing, one commentator said, that is the defining moment of his later reign, foreigners rally around David. And it's more remarkable and tragic that his own countrymen and his own family were nowhere to be found. Let's look at things at a different light. Jesus came to his own people, the Jews, didn't he? His family, so to speak, didn't he? They rejected him, didn't they? But the foreigners, the foreigners accepted him, didn't they? We foreigners, we were far off. Remember Ephesians? Those who were far off, that's us, the Gentiles. We had no right to Israel. We had no right to Judaism. We had no right to God. 
But through Christ now, he has brought us in. Remember he made the two one? The Jew, the Gentile, and the one man, the new man, through Christ Jesus. We rallied around him. We accepted him. And we followed Jesus Christ. These men saw something in David. They knew him before he was king. Remember in 1 Samuel 22, these men were discontent. They owed money. They were in debt. They, they, had, they had no place to go. And he gathered them when he was running from Saul. What a great picture here. When we're depressed, when we're discontent, and we realize we have a debt we can't pay, we gather around one who is even greater than David, don't we? And his name is Jesus Christ. We gather around him. Why? Because he's faithful. He sustains us. He cares for us. He keeps us. Everything we have for life and godliness is found in him. Our strength is found in him. Our power is made perfect in our weakness. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Excuse me. Here we see a selfless sacrifice of the king. They made a declaration of loyalty. They were selflessly sacrificing themselves for their king. This was not some lighthearted promise. This was their faithfulness to their king. See, this is why I couldn't get very far. We need to be selfless in our sacrifice to Jesus Christ. He deserves our selfless sacrifice. Jesus told his disciples to deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. And that's what he said. We cannot give a lighthearted commitment to serving him. We can't serve Jesus with a lighthearted commitment. It's got to be the Texas Hold'em all in. We've got to go all in. Christ. We've got to be all in for Jesus Christ. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus. It, it won't work. We must be every faithful to him in times of trouble, in times of distress, in times of discontentment, and in times of affliction. We must be ever faithful to him. We must identify with his will for us, his way of doing things. We must refuse to listen to the claims of others, even though those claims might be legitimate or even delightful, but they're not his will. That's hard to do sometimes. That's hard to do when something's coming about and it seems very, very delightful, very, very good, but it's not the Lord's will for you. It's tough. There's another teaching that we can glean from this story. While self-sacrifice is important, another part is absolute satisfaction of being in the presence of the king. These people didn't want to leave the king. They didn't want to leave his presence these men have been with David for a long time, and they learned many, many good things from him. When they gleaned the satisfaction of just hanging out with him, there was pleasure in being with the king. Those who left David to serve Absalom were being misdirected. They were being misled. They were being lied to. They were being duped for the purpose of, of him becoming king. They allowed the things that do not count to control their lives. They allowed material things, human affection, worldly things, and they crowded out their joy of being with the king. These things, the world, the flesh, the devil, worldly things, human affections, material things, crowd out our relationship with Jesus Christ. They crowd it out. A relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ is the only way. Oh, how we forget that David wrote in Psalm 1611, in his presence is fullness of joy. The joy of hanging out with Jesus. I've never had so much fun as to hang out with Jesus. I, it, even in the worst times, I'm hanging out with the creator of the universe. What's bad about that? I'm having fellowship with my Lord, my Savior, my friend, he tells me to call him friend. 
There's nothing better than that. Nothing better than that. Oh, you guys come to a close second. I'll tell you that right now. It's great hanging out with you guys too. Don't get me wrong. David seemed to understand that the benefits of a life commitment to God can be received both now and later. In his presence is fullness of joy. Tell me when you've been going through a struggle, when you've been going through a really tough time, things are coming down all about, and you read something that just makes your heart soar, and you can feel his presence, and you have joy in the midst of this crazy time, and you don't even know why you have this joy. It's because of his presence. I will never leave nor forsake you. But when we become aware of his presence, that's what makes the difference. The path of life is something to be enjoyed by the believer right now. And when we get to eternity, God gives us eternal life to enjoy as a present gift and extends into eternity. And there's no no coincidence that on Sunday, the name of the message on Sunday in John 10 is the abundant life. The abundant life that Jesus has come to give us. In your presence is fullness of joy. This was a joy that David could experience now. And in the context of his previous lynching, gladness and rejoicing, but also ultimately he would rejoy the presence of the Lord forever. At your right hand is pleasures evermore. David had full confidence in his life, but he also knew that when his life was over, he would be with God. David knew that and was confident in that. And we should be too. We should live our lives like that. This, these men felt a great peace when they were with David. Just like the peace we have that surpasses all understanding that guards our heart and our mind through Christ Jesus. There's a peace there. When we yield to Lord Jesus and obey his will for our life, it becomes stronger and confident. Tension is removed. We find rest for our souls in Jesus Christ. We're at peace. The world around us is spinning out of control, folks. Take one look at the internet. No, don't do that. Take one look at a newspaper. No, don't do that. The world is spinning out of control. It's just crazy. If you don't have any joy or peace, you don't have Christ. And I plead with you today to accept him, to make him come into your life and have that peace that surpasses all understanding. The only true peace and satisfaction that you could ever get comes from the presence and power and the reality of Jesus Christ in our life. There's this one guy who is a true outsider, and he comes to Jerusalem, and he wants to serve David. His name is Zetai the Gittite. Let's finish out in verses 19 through 22. Then the king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. You see the resolve David has? David's all resolved in his heart that Absalom is going to be king. He says, return to the king. Return to the king. David was like, okay. In fact, David says, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today since I go and I don't know where? Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. But Atai answered the king and said, I love this, as the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the king shall be, whether in in death or life, even there also your servant will be. Oh, man. Wow. You talk about loyalty and faithfulness, man. So David said to Ittai, go and cross over. Then Ittai the Gittite and all his men and all the little ones who were with him crossed over. Wow. 
Why are you going with us? What's wrong with you? He watched this procession of his faithful supporters go by, and all of a sudden, the tie the get-up comes up. He says, wait a minute. You just joined our group yesterday. Why should you wander with me? Why should you go? That statement of his, as the Lord lives and breathes, as, as long as my Lord the King lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the King shall be, whether death or life, even there your servant will be. Wow. Return to remain with the king. Absalom's going to be king. I can't cling to the throne anymore. I'm not powerful enough. I don't have as many people. Wow. Whatever place my Lord and king shall be. Don't you feel that way about Christ? Whatever, wherever Christ is, I want to be. I'm, I'm so glad he didn't make them so I can't find them. Because I would misplace him. I'm glad he put him in my heart. I'm glad he put the Holy Spirit in me so I knew he was there. Because I, I, I would certainly misplace him. This is true loyalty. But true loyalty isn't demonstrated until it's likely to cost something to be loyal. It costs something to be loyal. To be loyal to Jesus Christ is going to cost you something. It costs you something. We must know the cost. Even when Jesus was talking about discipleship, he told them about the cost of discipleship. There's a cost to following Christ. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. There's a cost. There's a cost there. Verse 23, as we finish today. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people crossed over. And the king himself also crossed over the book Kidron, and all the people crossed over toward the way in the wilderness. They go down to this valley, to the book Kidron, or into the wilderness, and everybody's crying, including the king. They're all crying. They're all upset that they had to leave their beloved home. Can you imagine being moved out of your home? They're weeping. David wept. What's going on in David's mind? His own son had betrayed him. His friend and his confidant had betrayed him, his counselor. All Israel seems to be against him. I'm sure Jesus felt that way that night in Gethsemane. Can't you just pray for an hour? Can't, can't you just keep your eyes open for, for one hour? I'm sure he felt that way. And then one of his own disciples betrays him. The crowd rejects him. John Corson is a very interesting writer, and his, his, his commentary is pretty cool. And I read it a lot, and I like it. But I have to share something that he wrote, and, and I'm just going to throw it out there. He writes this, Outside the eastern gate of Jerusalem, there's a small valley. In biblical days, the book of Kidron flowed through this valley. The word Kidron means dark. And the reason it was called dark is because the book of Kidron was a waste and sewage dump for Jerusalem. On any given Passover, thousands upon thousands of lambs would be sacrificed, and the blood running from the temple would run into the brook Kidron. We'd run into the brook Kidron, and it would turn it red. In John 18, we see Jesus Christ, the son of David, also leaving Jerusalem, having been rejected. He's leaving and having masses with him, although experiencing rebellion and betrayal from the one he cared about. As he left the city, he had to cross over the same brook that David did here in 2 Samuel. But that night that Jesus crossed over it was a Passover night, and it ran red with blood. Ran red with blood. Was that symbolic of what was going to happen? Was that symbolic of him, the new covenant in his blood? 
Think about it. It's worth thinking about. Later that day, his blood would run red down that cross from his hands, his feet, and his side. What can we glean from these scriptures? A group of men stayed with David during the days of his rejection. They walked joyfully and loyally with the king, even though their future was unknown. Their hearts had been softened by their love for the king, and they were completely devoted to him. These are the basic things at the heart of the Christian experience. Total surrender to God through Jesus Christ. Total surrender to God. Walking with him in the middle of the cool of the day. Sacrificing for a purpose of God in our lives. Giving things up. You might have to give up a family member when you accept Christ because they'll reject you. Certainly you're going to have to give up your old ways. But there's total satisfaction in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Total commitment. Total contentment. When you really think about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Coming to Jesus in this way, a fire being burned within your heart, the reality of his presence, the indwelling of his life in yours through the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit upon you, the thought of him never leaving or forsaking you will make you more precious to him and him more precious to you. And he'll deter you from sinning. If, if from your heart you can honestly say to the Lord Jesus who loved you and gave himself for you, Lord, in whatever place you go, and wherever you go, as long as I live, I will want to be with you. And in death, I know I'll be with you. I'm going to be with you. It's my heart desire that, that we will begin to shine forth like the flame, the flame of the Holy Spirit in the reality of the presence of Christ. If we walk truly in the reality of the presence of Christ every day of our life, people will see it. People will see it in you. And they will be drawn to that flame like a moth. They will be drawn right to that flame and you'll get to go, Jesus. That's my prayer. And that's what I glean from these scriptures. That's what I glean from these scriptures as we read through there. There's so much symbolism here. There's so much analogy that we can take between David and Jesus Christ. So much. I challenge you now to go back and reread those 10 verses, just 10 verses, guys, from 13 to 23. Reread them and see what the Lord would show you. See what the Lord would talk to you about during those 10 verses. Open up your hearts to the Holy Spirit and ask, Lord, show me. Show me how these scriptures apply to my life. Show me and ask. And let the Lord do something mighty in you. Because that's what he wants to do tonight. He wants to do something mighty in all of us. Because... He's not finished yet. He's not finished yet. As long as he tarries, we're here. And we're going to continue moving on, going forward. Christ told us to occupy till I come. We're going to continue to move on. We're going to continue to preach his word. We're going to continue to spread the gospel. We're going to continue to carry the message of Jesus Christ outside these walls till all would know him and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all we have time for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can explore more of this series in 2 Samuel or jump to another book of the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult. So we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We're gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. We look forward to worshiping with you, either in person or virtually this weekend. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.